Hey, he's alive today. Hey, man, that ought to excite us as the people of God. And listen, not only is he alive, he is coming back. Amen and amen. I've been going through the Psalms and Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 for a couple of months now. And we've been building up to this day, Resurrection Sunday. We talked in Psalm 22 about that suffering servant and it lists just so pointedly there 1,200 years or so before Jesus was born, exactly what would take place on the cross. It describes the crucifixion in great detail, actually in more detail than even in the gospel accounts. Then we turned over to Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, 700 years before the birth of Christ, how, how God, through this prophet Isaiah, told us what was going to come to pass so that men, women, boys, and girls, so that you, as we gather here this morning, could know and have the information uh, how to be redeemed. You see, there's a problem. God loves you. I, I mean, He loved you in creation. God, God created you and formed you in your mother's womb and brought you into this universe, into existence because he loves you, but there's a problem. You see, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone, me, you, every person gathered here this morning. You see, there was a problem there back in the garden. Adam and Eve, they were created. They lived in paradise. Everything was perfect there with them. And God said, you can do anything that you want except for this one thing you don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, Adam and Eve did that. They disobeyed God. And in that disobedience, they brought sin into the world. And when sin came into the world, it brought destruction. It brought death. It brought disharmony. It, it, I mean, it brought disunity. It brought sickness. It brought broken hearts. It brought tragedy. And every person here this morning knows all about that because one thing I can guarantee you, whether in your own life or in a life not very far removed, you're dealing right now as we gather with some great tragedy that's brought about because of sin. And every one of us knows that. And that sin separates us from God. And for thousands of years, men tried to do something about that separation. You see, there in the garden, God killed a lamb. And he killed that thing and he took the skin of that. And he covered Adam and Eve's nakedness. That was symbolically God slaying the lamb so that he could cover the vulnerability caused by sin in the life of Adam and Eve. But it was also a picture that was painted of something that would take place later where the Lamb of God, the ultimate Lamb of God, who was slain before the foundation of the world, would die on a cross Easter, Good Friday, and in that death on the cross, ultimately the tragedy, our sin, the debt owed from that would be paid for. You see, the Bible says it like this. The wages of that sin. See, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. But the wages of that sin is death. Every one of us knows that. I don't need to paint that picture any more clear than what it's already been painted by your experience. 
every one of us knows that the wages of sin is death. Now they talked about that in their cantata this morning just a little bit. Because if it was only a physical death, it wouldn't be so bad. But you see, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 20 that whoever's name's not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You see, the death that we owe is not so much a physical death, but a spiritual death, a separation from God for eternity. Because the Bible says that God is holy and he cannot come into the presence of sin. So therefore, those that die in their sin will be separated from God forever and forever and forever. But there's good news. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, verse 8, that God, He loves us. There's a problem created by our sin. There's separation there. But God loves us so much that He demonstrated that love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us us. You see, that's what we're here celebrating this morning. Jesus, he died on a cross for my sin, for your sin. That's where we get to Isaiah chapter number 52 and 53. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 7. Hopefully you've, uh, you've kind of kept up with that. Uh, we talked about how there was a proclamation of the suffering servant there in chapter number 52 beginning at verse number uh, 13. Then in the beginning of chapter number 53, we talked about him being a perplexing suffering servant, meaning he perplexed people. They wanted a king, they wanted a ruler, and instead they got a lamb slain on a cross, and he's still perplexing people today because they want a genie in a bottle that'll answer their every wish instead of a savior that'll change them from the person they are and the person that God wants them to be. You see, he's still confusing people today. Hey, God doesn't want your life. He wants to live his life through you, and we've got to yield to that. So he's still perplexing people today. Then we talked about not only uh, the proclamation of that servant, the perplexity of that servant, but we talked about the passion of that servant. I mean, that's the passion week leading up uh, to the cross. It's up to the very cross itself, how he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment of our peace was upon him, but it left us in peace and with his stripes. He was the one beaten, but because of that, we can be spiritually healed. And even though we're like sheep that have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way, God loved you so much that he laid on him the iniquity of us all. In verse number 7, the Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is done, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now listen, listen. That's why we're gathered this morning. It's Easter Sunday. Smile. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that as we've already heard the gospel this morning, Lord, you'd make it clear to the hearts of your people that, Father, those here that may not be saved would be saved today, would receive the gift of eternal life offered through the Lord Jesus Christ. But, Lord, that everyone here today, God, would not leave this place till they had answered your call on their life. And, Father, we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked about that proclamation of the servant, the perplexity of the servant. We talked about the passion of the servant. But I want to share one last thing with you this morning, church, and I'm going to get so excited already. I want to share with you about the preeminence of the servant. You see, there was a passion. He was wounded. He was beaten. They put him on a cross. He was spit on and he took it all. He never opened his mouth. He understood that that was his mission in life. And in obedience to God the Father, he took my punishment and your punishment upon himself. But if you turn over there to the end of those Gospels, John chapter number 20. You don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter number 28. Luke chapter number, I believe it's about number 25. The Bible says something like this. All the disciples, they is heartbroken. They thought the game was up. Those people that followed him, they is heartbroken. The religious leaders, hey, they is rejoicing because this troublemaker was in the grave. Satan himself was happy because he thought he had won the battle. But they went to check on the grave because you know how bodies are. They get to stinking after a few days. So they is going to take some anointing uh, spices over there and anoint the body so it wouldn't get stinking. And they went over there and lo and behold, the stone had been rolled away. And there's an angel sitting there. And that angel there is whining and crying around and, and wondering what was going to happen. And the angel said something like this. What you crying for and so sad? Hey, church, you ought to smile. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Hey, he's alive today. Day, and there ought to be smiles on the faces of the people of God and smiles on Mary's face because he's preeminent. Even death could not hold him down. Hey, death's got to hold on kings. It's got to hold on great men. It's got to hold on everybody that's ever lived. But death don't have a hold on Jesus. And that's why we gather here this morning because he is preeminent. Do you see what the word said? I didn't get that right there out of the book of Isaiah. The Bible said, yeah, he's going to be buried with the wicked people and he's going to die with them and he, they're going to bury him in a rich man's tomb. But not only all of that going to take place and, and he had done no violence, neither was any deceit. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, put him to grief. He made his soul an offering of sin or for sin. But listen, it says he shall see his seed. How can he see his seed unless he's alive? He's alive. If you're here today and you're born uh, again into the family of God, he sees you. He knows you're here. He understands why you're here. He knows your heartache. He knows exactly what's going on in your life because you're the seed of that resurrection. When Jesus got up and proved that he was preeminent over life and he was preeminent over death, he's seeing you here this morning and he's rejoicing as you rejoice in him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, he wants you to be saved today. He 
He's watching you. He's guided your life. He's brought you to this very moment so that you would not leave this place without receiving the gift of eternal life. He wants you to do that today. He wants to see you as His seeds. I said this morning, uh, we, we talked about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that those that have been born again are the first fruits of, of, of Jesus and, and the accomplishment that He did getting up from the grave. He wants to see you as a first fruit. And I told this little story, I'm going to make you smile. You know how that first mater is when it comes off the vine every year? I'm going to tell you what, there ain't nothing better on in the world, are there? I mean, you wait on that thing and you watch it from green and you watch it grow and you fertilize it and all of a sudden that day comes when you go out there and you can pick that thing and you get you a little mayonnaise dukes, by the way, and you put that thing on some light bread with a little salt and pepper and you slice that thing and Mom will tell you what, when you put that thing in your mouth, oh my goodness. If it ain't a sin, it ought to be. Amen? Well, I'm going to tell you what. That's how Jesus views you. The first fruit. He wants to plant you and fertilize you and love on you and pull the weeds out of your life and watch you grow and turn from green into that ripe fruit that can be used and tasted for His glory. But He can't do that until you first submit to one of those calls that He's calling in your life today. A submission to that call of salvation or a submission to that call of service. But listen, He got up from the grave so that He can make you into that first fruit, that one that He's watched and that He's seen grow and that He picks and then He uses for His glory and that's why he brought you here this morning I want to share with you quickly and we'll be done three ways that Jesus is preeminent number one he's preeminent in his life in his life listen every person here this morning was born through the womb of a woman who had gotten pregnant by a man but Jesus was born through the womb of a virgin just like Isaiah had said back there 700 years ago. And it happened just as she... Hey, he wasn't a regular man. He was preeminent even in his birth. But not only that, he was preeminent in the way he grew and lived. The Bible says he was tempted like every other man, yet without sin. I, I mean, he was preeminent in everything. He was preeminent in his life. But not only that, he was preeminent in his death. Hey, there's been a lot of people die. As a matter of fact, I had a man one time told me because we'd had a lot of funerals up here at Zion and there's a stretcher. I'm telling you, I was doing two and three. It seemed like funerals a week. He said, I'm about scared to come up there at Zion. Y'all, everybody up there is dying. And I'm going to tell you what, it, it hurt my feelings. I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, is it something in your life, something you ain't doing right? And then I got to thinking, you know what? The death rate at Zion's exactly the same as it is at every other church. It's 100%. Amen? Hey, there's been a lot of people die. But they ain't a one of their deaths paid for my sin. Hey, because they ain't perfect. And Jesus was preeminent in his life. And because he was preeminent in his life, it made him preeminent in his death. His death was enough to pay for the sins of the world. Amen and amen. I say hallelujah to that, Ed. Hey. It was enough for God to be satisfied for my sin, your sin, every sin that's been committed, every sin that will be committed. His death was preeminent. Not only was he preeminent in his life, he was preeminent in his death. 
He was preeminent in his resurrection. Amen. Hey, there's been a bunch of people die too, but I ain't talking to many of them today. There ain't many of them today got millions and billions of people all over the world gathering in their name today. I'm telling you, a lot of them were great people, but you let a few generations pass and they don't really remember them anymore. Hey, old Joseph Stalin over there, they trip, still trying to keep his body from decomposing, but I'm going to tell you what, one day it will. Listen, there's been a whole lot of people die, but they don't get up from the ground. And because he was preeminent in his life, and because he was preeminent in his death, he is preeminent today in his resurrection. You see, there's something about Jesus' resurrection. Oh, listen, he is not the only one now. He's not the only one. There was a man named Lazarus over there, and Lazarus died. And the Bible says that Jesus went over there, and because he was preeminent in life and death and everything else, he walked up to that grave of Lazarus, and he said, Hey, come on out of that grave, big boy. And Lazarus got up and walked out of the grave. That was a resurrection. But I'm going to tell you something. They had another funeral for old Lazarus. He died again. But when Jesus got up from the grave, it's forever and forever and forever. You see, not only is he preeminent in his life, he was preeminent in his death, but he's preeminent in his resurrection. It'll never happen again for him. He's alive today, and he will be alive forever. And listen, if he's got the power to do that, what have we got to worry about? I tell people at funerals all the time, I don't understand how a brown cow eats green grass and gives white milk. But it does it, so God put me together the first time, so I'm quite confident that he can do it again and keep me alive throughout eternity with him if he says that's what he's going to do. Amen and amen. So Jesus is preeminent in his life. He's preeminent in his death. The Bible says here that he shall prolong his days. How long is that going to be? Forever and forever and forever. He made his soul an offering for sin so that your soul wouldn't have to be that offering. Because something had to be offered. And Jesus was the one that made the offering. Well, I said three, but I lied. I'm going to close with this. I want to really get you excited. Hey. He's preeminent in life. He's preeminent in death. We're here today celebrating that resurrection. Hey, he's preeminent in resurrection. But this is why you really need to answer that call this morning. Because he's going to be preeminent in his return. I want to read you something over here in in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. You know what? I believe this is just about as good a passage to read at Easter as we could possibly read. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Listen to what the Bible says. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You see, without Jesus, death is the end. There's no hope. It's over. And listen, this life is the best there is without Christ. And with all the killing and suffering and sacrifice and tragedy and just the meanness of people one towards another, I don't want this to be the best there is. Listen. Concerning them which are asleep that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. Smile, church, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
that, that means that out here in this graveyard one day, those spirits that uh, are, are with Jesus and those bodies that are laying in the ground, that uh, one day the day's coming uh, where Jesus is going to bring those spirits with him to meet those bodies that are in the ground. You say, Keith, where do you get that? Well, right here. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Why is he saying it? He don't want them to be ignorant. He don't want them to be hopeless. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain, that may be some of us, he could come today, and I say even so, come Lord Jesus, under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. We can't stop them which are asleep. Listen, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. You see, he's preeminent in his return. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's them graves out there. I was telling them this morning at sunrise service. Even those people that are ashes out there in them boxes and them things is locked up. And I got to go in there and get some kind of special lock and screwdriver to get that thing open. Hey, that thing's going to come open and them ashes are going to come out. And Jesus is going to take that spirit that's with him and reunite it with that body. And that thing's never ever ever going to get over or dead it's never going to get sick it's never going to uh, 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 be suffering under the weight of sin anymore for the Lord himself he's going to descend there's going to be a trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and listen listen he's preeminent he's preeminent in his return because he ain't never coming back again why because he's here to stay and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And listen. He says wherefore. Comfort one another. With these words. Listen it's Easter Sunday 2019. And I want you to know something church. If you don't hear another word I say. You remember these next. Four things I say. Jesus Christ is preeminent. In his life. He was born of a virgin. And lived a perfect life. Because you couldn't. Jesus Christ was preeminent in his death. He died a sacrificial death for the sins of the world. Why? Because you couldn't. Jesus Christ was preeminent in his resurrection. He was in the ground and he got up. He did that because you couldn't. And Jesus Christ is preeminent in his return. One of these days he's coming back and he's going to receive his bride, the church, those that have been born again. He's coming back to get you because you can't get to him and I say praise the Lord for that and we ought to rejoice and if you're here this morning and you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is your savior that heaven's going to be your home my challenge to you my plea to you this morning is do not leave this place until you're 100% sure and if you're here this morning and you may have been sitting on the sidelines of this thing called Christianity and you've never really taken up your cross and followed him Jesus said unless you're willing to do that you cannot follow me my challenge to you this morning is get off the sidelines get in the game I'll say this I've said it before I get just laugh at people who talk about the Tar Heels playing basketball and they say yeah we beat them Duke Blue Devils and I say well how many points did you score they said I watched it on the TV I said well then you wasn't in the game it was them playing and not you and hey if you're sitting on the sideline today and you're saying hey we're going to be with Jesus one day and we're going to win the world to the Lord but you ain't in the game you just watching I say get in the game today before we leave this place two calls one to salvation one to service He's calling everybody in here to one of those two. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you on this Easter Sunday. And God, I know that because of the power of the resurrection, you're calling everyone here. You're alive. 
You're alive, you're alive. I've experienced that power. I've seen you with my own eyes raise the dead. And God, I know that you can do in the lives of people what people say is impossible. Work the impossible. Because your word tells us, with God, all things are possible. And Father, there's people that's been walking through these doors for the last 50 years with a heart of stone. And God, I say, work the impossible this morning. Melt that heart of stone. And God, draw us close to you. And Father, we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.